Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Valley Church of the Nazarene. We are located at 228 Madison Avenue in Monte Vista, Colorado. I am Pastor Chris Yoakum, and I am so glad you have tuned in to listen to this message. I would also love to invite you to join us on Sunday morning for our small group discipleship classes starting at 9 a.m. for all ages, and our worship service starting at 10.15 a.m. We have many other activities and Bible studies throughout the week. Please visit our website at valleynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. Our prayer is that you encounter the God of the Bible and come to know the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ, that you be equipped to engage the world for Christ. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you. I invite you to stand and turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Behold the inerrancy of Scripture, infallibility, authority of Scripture. This is God's Word. We trust the one who has given it, that he is faithful, he is able to speak to us. We do well to listen. May the Lord be with us as we read his Word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for the apostle Peter and his authority as he comes in Your name to give us this Word. Oh, oh, Father, we pray that you would form us and shape us and sanctify us by uh, your word. Your word is truth. Bless us this morning. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds that can understand, hearts that can receive your word. Attend both with the hearing and preaching of your word, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I've entitled this message, if you can see it, Chosen by God. Peter's going to help us to understand what that, what that means. But as I was preparing for this, I was thinking the, about the idea of uh, choice, right? We, uh, we like choice. When we go various places and do our shopping, we like lots of things to choose from. We like choice because it, you know, presents us with options, and since we are, since we like to be able to be the, the governors of, of our lives, we like choice and choices. But I was thinking how in our day and age, the idea of, of choice has really just become something that is, is almost out of control. If you think about what we've decided that we can, we can choose, right? I mean, not only the little things that we, we choose every day that we have that freedom to choose, but if you think about in our day and age how we've decided that we can choose things like our gender. We can choose that. 
We can choose our sexual orientation, whatever that is. We can choose whether we keep our child or kill our child. It's amazing how we have exalted human choice so high, so high. It's amazing what we have done in our day and age to decide that we will be the masters of our destiny. And there really is such a battle going on in our world today. There's such a battle in our world today, it's as if, you know, we don't want to have any sort of boundaries at all, any sort of restrictions. But I want to say, as Peter is going to talk about this, I want to to say that really... Human beings' choice ends where God's choice begins. Now, most people don't believe that. We believe it's the opposite, that that really God's choice ends where our choice begins. But that really does beg the question, who who is God? Who is going to be God in our lives? And the greatest choice of all is really God's choice, what God chooses. And Peter's going to help us to understand the beauty of God's choice, the fact that He is redeeming unto Himself a people out of the sinful way of life, out of sin and darkness and Satan's rule. We know that that's what sin says. Sin says it's, I'm on the throne, and I get to choose, and it's going to be my way. And we know that Satan comes in, and, and he helps to put fuel on that fire. And we know that our whole world system has been established to exalt self, my choice, what I want. But here we see the contrast, as Peter's going to show us, that that really what matters is God's choice because God is choosing and God is redeeming a people to Himself. And as we live in this world where where humanity is exalted, we are those who say we we will bow to what God says. We will bow to His choice, what He says. We do say that our choice ends where God's choice begins. Now, the Apostle Peter understands this. Think about Peter's life. Peter, who was a fisherman. Peter, who, you know, was going about his life. And then he got called. He got called out from the world. Jesus came and and called these 12 men unto himself. God came and he chose them. They weren't on their way to really find God, even though they were, they were religious men seeking God, but really we see the fact that Jesus came and, and chose them out. So Simon Peter understands that. He understands the ramifications of God's choice, that God came and chose him, and then Peter, Peter had lots of choices, but Peter had to learn that it was God's choice that mattered most. And he had to yield to that. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the the idea of apostleship is one who is sent, 
right? So Peter was, was called out from the world, and then he was sent out to be Jesus' representative. So Jesus Christ, the one who sins, and Peter carries the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, just to get a, a handle on what that looks like, turn with me to Matthew 28, very familiar scripture. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them, and I start at 16, but to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the, of the age. And I want, to, want us to see there what Jesus says is that all authority in heaven and on earth, that means there is no authority beyond Jesus' authority. And so Peter understands that Jesus had the authority to call him out away from everything that he wanted to do, his plans, his five-year plan, whatever that was, whatever Peter was, had planned for his life, that Jesus had the authority to call him out from that to himself, and that now Jesus has the authority to send him and most believe that um, this was written in Rome. And so Peter is in a very hostile situation. Peter has gone through many things in his life, but he understands that now he is captive to God's choice, God's calling on his life. But Jesus has all authority to call him and to send him. And then now this word that we're going to receive here as Peter is going to write this letter, comes with the authority of Jesus Christ. So therefore, all of those who recognize that authority, and hopefully those, all of us here in this sanctuary recognize the authority of Jesus to call us out, that He has chosen us out from the world. He has the authority to direct our life. And then He has the authority also to send us. So Peter understands this. Peter understands God's choice. Peter understands that God has the authority to, to choose to call him out. Not only him, but now the church. And we see in Matthew chapter 28 that Jesus establishes this, mis this mission that he's going to send, not only apostles, but also us to declare the authority of Jesus Christ. And turn with me back to 1 Peter. And so we see this. We see that Peter is, is, is one who bows the, the authority of Jesus Christ, and he is speaking to those who also bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. This he's going to be speaking about in so many cases here in this letter about the church, about God's chosen people, and what that, what that means the called out ones from the world and then the ones who are sent and the ones who yield the authority of God and His Word, all of these things. And I think that in our day and age, the idea of chosen is a, is a difficult one sometimes. We also live in an age, even as, even as people are declaring their independence from God, We know there's this sense in which 
somehow we are trying to get rid of all inequality. And yet here we have in this passage the ultimate inequality. It's, it's the fact that God is going to choose some and He's not going to choose others, which causes heartburn for a lot of people. But this is a reality. And even as we understand what it means to be God's chosen, we also understand that we are sent out to also gather in the other, the rest of those who are, whom God would call and bring them in. Now, just so there's no misunderstanding, you can keep your place in 1 Peter. Let's look at Revelation 7, 9 through 10, because we don't want there to be any, any kind of misunderstanding when we look at the, the elect or the chosen of God. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white, white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So let us understand that when we talk about those chosen from God, it is from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So this isn't some kind of, uh, there, there is no dividing line based on race or gender or socioeconomic status. God is calling people out from every nation, from every people to himself. And even as our world seeks equality, we need to understand that the reality is that the greatest the greatest place that anyone could be, because we aren't going to fix this world. We aren't going to remove all inequality. The greatest place to be is in, is in God's book of life, being a part of the church. Someday, all of these things God is going to set right. But with, this is the message that we declare to our world, that, that God is choosing and, and redeeming unto Himself a people out of the world from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. Every attempt to try to, to bring this kind of equality in our world, as long as, as sin exists, there's going to be hatred and discord. It's never going to happen without Jesus Christ and His redeeming work. So Peter comes and he talks about God's elect, those chosen by God. Sometimes we don't like in the Nazarene church talking about election, and we, we differ with other um, belief systems, other denominations on, on how that choice happens, but the Bible talks about the elect. It's God's choice. He's, he's choosing people unto Himself, and salvation belongs to the Lord. To certain degrees, different belief systems say we ha to, what, to what extent human Will has a part in, in salvation, but ultimately it is God's choice because the Bible tells us that it is God's choice, chosen by God. And then he says, strangers in the world. In other words, set apart by God. Strangers in the world, God's elect, strangers in the world. In other words, we are set apart. And then Peter says, scattered by God. This is in verse 2 who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. I'm sorry, go back to one. God's elect strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 
So God's elect, chosen by God, strangers in the world, set apart by God, scattered, sent by God. So Peter understands this because this was his story. Somebody called out from the world. Somebody that was set apart for God's use and then sent out. And the same is true of God's people. We are chosen according to God's foreknowledge. Now again, foreknowledge is kind of a, a word that we don't like to talk about sometimes in the Nazarene denomination, but really what it means is God's foreplanning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Another beloved scripture, Romans chapter 8, 28 through 30. This is Paul writing, and he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be, that, that he might be the first fruit among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. So in other words, all of these things, we have been chosen for a purpose by, by God's foreplanning. He knew in advance, and He has called us out, and He has destined us to a work for Himself. And so this is part of being God's, God's elect, that God is, God is working His plan. That's why I said this morning when we gathered, it is a divine appointment for us to gather together as God's people. God is doing something in our day. He has been doing something since, since Christ came. He has been forming this, this people. And what we go through is all part of God's pre-planning. That should give us great hope. That should give us great hope that God knew in advance what was going to happen. God knows about His people. His eye is always upon us, and He is accomplishing His plan. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, I know that in all things God works for good. That should give us great hope. Everything that happens to us, because it is already, God has already seen what is going to happen, God is able then, not only because He knows, but because then He is able to uh, sovereignly work in every one of those circumstances, He is able to bring good for us. And we have been predestined to be conformed to Jesus Christ chosen according to God's foreknowledge, and God is going to ultimately glorify His church. So that should give us great hope. That should also help us to understand the, the beauty and wonder of the church. I know that in our day, it has become, the church is becoming more and more marginalized, but we need to understand that we are a chosen people. God has chosen us for a purpose. And we need to take that seriously. We are a part of what God is doing. If we have been called out from the world and set apart for His purpose, we need to take that seriously. One of the things we're going to be doing in the future, uh, in this coming year, is helping us to, to, to um, inviting everyone to, to be a part of our gathering on Sunday morning, then also to be a part of our small groups, which is discipleship. And then trying to help people to become involved in ministry. 
in order to deepen their relationship with God. Because we, as we go through this difficult time in our nation, the church is meant to shine. The church is meant to accomplish a plan, a a role. But we can't do that if we are simply marginalized Christians or marginal Christians, if we don't take our role seriously. And so we've got to gather together and we've got to grow grow deeper in our relationship with God and our knowledge of His Word so that we can be prepared for what God has for us. So we are chosen according to God's foreknowledge. Then we are strangers through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Turn Turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Gospel of John, chapter 14. 15 through 31. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, starting with verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and the Father... On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. I do, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, let us leave. And the idea there is that we are strangers in this world by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. In other words, we have the Spirit of God within us who is teaching us, teaching us everything that Jesus has said and teaching us to understand God's Word. And because we have this knowledge and this relationship with the Father, we aren't going to go the way of the world. We're not going to go the way of the world. We're not going to think the way the world does. We're not going to act the way the world does. We're not going to speak the way the world does. Well, the problem with that is if we don't think and act and speak like the world does, we're going to be strangers to the world, right? And I think in this, this, it's going to be more and more apparent as those of us who hold fast to God's Word because we have the Spirit of God within us, because He is teaching us, and because we have an understanding that is different than the world because we've been born again of the Spirit, the world is definitely going a certain way And as the more and more of the world goes a certain way, those of us who are going opposite that way are going to stand out, right? And I really think it's so important for us as the church to embrace our strangeness, right? Now, I've seen people in in our world who really embrace strangeness, right? You can tell they really embrace that. (laughs) 
And it's kind of in vogue today to sort of be, to be kind of an, an oddball. But folks, we as Christians aren't to be simply strange, uh, you know, because we're, because we're odd, but we're strange because we, again, think differently, speak differently, and act differently than the world. And we need to embrace that. We are the chosen out from the world. We cannot continue to, to be friends with the world. We know that we, we're told friendship with the world is hatred toward God. It's because we have to choose, right? The world is going to force us to choose. That's what's going to happen. The world's going to ask us, why do you believe what you believe, and do you really believe it? Because they're going to expect conformity to a, cert, to a certain direction, and we cannot go that way, so we're going to be strangers. The world is not going to accept us, and we need to embrace that. Part of our identity is to be strangers in this world. And then it says that we are scattered for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. So you have these three things that Peter gives us, chosen, sent, and scattered, chosen and set apart and scattered or sent. And it says that we are scattered for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verses 6 through 8. This is before Jesus goes up into heaven, before His, his uh, ascension. The disciples, of course, are wondering, okay, when are you going to come back, Right? We're still wondering that, right? He said to them in verse 6, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And again, realize that that question has everything to do with, you know, the, the micro scene of their lives, right? Because they're Jewish people and they want to know what's going to happen to Israel because that's where we live and, and all of that. But Jesus says... He said to them in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this idea of being scattered or sent out to fulfill what Jesus has said, you'll notice the progressive, progressive nature of the, uh, the direction, right? They are to witness in Jerusalem and then in Judea, and then Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That, is, that process is still going on today. We are still carrying that out. Jesus Christ has gone. We're waiting for Him to come back. In the meantime, we are being sent out into our world. We send missionaries, right? We send missionaries out into the farthest reaches of, the, of, our, of our world to fulfill this. And folks, one of the greatest ways that has caused, or greatest things that has caused God's church to scatter has been persecution. You'll see it all throughout Scripture. Persecution comes to a certain place and the church scatters. But as they scatter, they take the Word of God with them. They take the gospel with them. So that is part of our identity. And we don't know what's going to happen in our, in our nation. If persecution, um, you know, if it really becomes a, a huge problem, who knows the decisions that people will have to make. But... If God allows that to happen, if God sends us and He does scatter, 
Remember, it's not, it's, it's not for us to simply survive, but us to go and spread the good news. And that the, the church has done that throughout its history, and we also must do that. But again, we, we won't do that if we don't understand the unique position that we're in as God's people, God's elect, God's chosen. That it's not about our way, it's about God's way. It's about the fact that He has redeemed us out of sin, out of from Satan, out of a worthless way of life, and now he, we have been brought to himself for his use. So we are chosen, we are strangers, and we are scattered. We are chosen, we are set apart, we are sent out. So folks, as we take this seriously, as we individually as Christians and as a church, as we take this role seriously... The church has had to suffer for this for, for, since its beginning. And Peter here says, turn with me back to 1 Peter, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Peter understands, he understands how challenging it is to be one who is called out, set apart, and sent out. Out into a world we are, where we are strangers, out into a world that is hostile, and so he says to the church, the churches that he's speaking to here and to us this morning, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace is unmerited favor. Peace is the shalom of God, an abiding sense of well-being that transcends circumstances. And I'm going to tell you, folks, with what, with what the future holds, what I believe the future holds, we are going to need grace and peace. We are going to need God's unmerited favor, because we are going to, and we're going to have to recognize that, and we're going to have to um, embrace God's unmerited favor for us, you know, not only uh, for what He is going to provide for us as we need it to, to, to uh, be effective in this world, but also because we are going to be hated. We are going to be hated by the world. That is something that, that Christ said was going to happen, and it's going to be more and more. You know, most of us, I think, you know, we could handle persecution if, you know, the world came and said, you know, we, we hate you because you're good and because you believe in Jesus Christ and, and we hate Jesus and all of that, but they don't. They come and say, we hate you. We, we are going to persecute you because you guys are haters, because you guys are, are on the wrong side, all of these things. And we have to, we're going to have to rely upon God's grace. We're going to have to rely upon the fact that He has come and He has redeemed us and He has worked in our lives and we seek His approval. We trust in His grace. And we're going to have to rely upon the peace of God which transcends. Let's look at that real quick in, in closing. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8. This is uh, Paul again talking about abundant grace just so we can understand what that looks like. Of course, this is a passage I like to use for the idea of, of giving, but it's so good. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8. Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And so, folks, Paul's not only talking about financial giving, but he's also talking about giving of ourselves, right? Giving of our time, giving of ourselves even in the the midst of persecution. He says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Folks, we're going to need to rely upon that grace, that abundance of grace that God is able to, to give us whatever we need as we're willing to give of ourselves, right? Remember, we we are formed by the idea that we are called out. We are are chosen by God, separated out from the world, and then sent out into the world. So we need to know that as we are willing to to give of ourselves, and as, as, as being a Christian and being faithful, as it begins to cost us more, we need to understand that God is there to pour His grace upon us so that we can be effective in that good work that God calls us to. All grace, all times, all things at all times, having all that you need, God will give you whatever is needed so that you can abound in every good work. And then abundant peace, Philippians 4. We sure need this in in our day. Abundant peace. Again, Paul gives us this concept of abundant peace so well. Do not be anxious. This is um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, as there's so much in our world to be anxious about, we need to remember God has called us to not be anxious about, about anything. Yes, there are things that, that, that um, cause, us to, to, um, cause us to focus on that and it can cause worry, but really what, what happens is we, we begin to lose focus on, on God. We begin to lose focus on the fact that God is bigger than whatever circumstances we are facing. So he says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not simply sit there and, and think that somehow your, your worrying or your, your anxiety is somehow going to fix the problem. No, look to God, right? Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Take it before God. Be thankful and peace which transcends all understanding. And I love that because, you know, the reality is we, can't, we don't know the answer. We don't know how it's going to come out. We don't know what God is going to do. We don't know what the end is going to to be. So we need a peace that transcends all understanding because our understanding is limited. It says it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so Peter says grace and peace in abundance. As we take seriously our role as the church, as the chosen, those who have been set apart and sent out into a world that is hostile, into a world that does not want to hear what we have to say, may we have God's grace and peace and abundance. As God's chosen people, we have been chosen and set apart from the world. We have been sent into a world hostile to us, but desperately in need of the gospel. May we embrace this challenge and depend on God's grace and peace. Stand with me this morning.
Again, none of us knows what the future what the future holds, but we do know that God has gone before us, that this is all part of God's plan, and He has called us to be a vital part of His plan. But we have got to stick together. We have got to hold one another up. We've got to be, be reminded of who we are as Christians, and that we aren't out there to be Lone Ranger Christians, but God is calling a people unto Himself, and we are here for a purpose. And may we fulfill that purpose. May we not allow the voices that are seeking to silence and intimidate, may we not let them succeed, but may we be faithful. We are anticipating the coming of our King. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning. We are grateful that we can join together as Your people. And Father... We know that um, in our world today, we know that the human will is exalted, but this morning we are those who exalt your will. We exalt your way, and we yield and we bow before you. And Lord, we are amazed in your presence, Lord. We are amazed that you have called us, that you have chosen us. Lord, what a, what a blessing that is that you have intervened on our behalf to take us out from the world, out of sin and darkness. Well, Lord, help us to go beyond that. Help us to recognize that we are called to be holy and set apart, sanctified from the world, called to be strangers in this world, not to follow the same way that everyone else is going. We pray this morning that you would transform us, transform our thinking, our actions, and our words. And Father, we pray that they would be completely dominated by the Holy Spirit and your word. And Lord, I pray then we would take seriously the fact that we have been called to be sent out, scattered out into the world, to be shining lights. Lord, we know that the world is increasing its hostility toward the truth and toward the gospel. But, oh, Lord, as the darkness grows, may we shine even brighter. May we not give in. May we not give up. Oh, Lord, may we stay faithful. Have mercy on us. Father, now as we go out into this world, Lord, as we go out into our day-to-day lives, Oh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just shift into self-mode, but, oh, Lord, help us to be captured by you, directed by you. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to speak when you give us opportunity. Help us to love those around us. Help us to share the good news of the gospel and the, the blessing of, of your holy word. Father, we all have loved ones, people within our sphere of influence that don't know you. Help us. Help us to bring in all of your chosen ones. This is the task. Help us to go out in your harvest field. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. You are dismissed.